0: What's up guys, Mitch from RespectMortgage.com back with yet another episode of the North American Weed Tour podcast. Today, I'm joined by a special guest, Don Dodge, owner of Emerald Coast Cannabis in Bremerton, Washington. My home state, I've been talking to people all around the country all week, finally getting to someone to represent Washington. How are you doing today, Don?
1: I'm good.
0: I'll awesome. Awesome, man. I, you know, I'm living life, I'm ready for the holidays. Uh, I'm down here, like I said, and, and I while well, I'm, Given Washington praise, I did escape the <laughs> rain I'm in California, getting some sunshine right now. I'm not mad it's at that.
1: It's shining right now, believe it or not.
0: Oh, man. See, look at, look at that. Last time we went, where did we just go? We just traveled somewhere. I can't remember, two weeks ago. And wherever I went, it was just raining. When I was out in Boston, it was raining. And like, this is so uncharacteristic. And I was like. Man, Everywhere I'm going to escape the rain, the rain follows me and then I leave and then it's sun back home. It, it is what it is. Yep. Um, but I would love to get started. You know how we usually kick these off is just a kind of an introduction to your, yourself and kind of your history around the plant as it pertains to, to moving into this industry.
1: OK, um, we we moved here. I moved up to Washington in 2010 with my ex-husband, who at the time was a newly retired police officer. And he was taking a daily regiment of Vicodin and somebody, he was working at the casino and somebody saw him, you know, popping some Vicodin and they said, Hey dude, you're in Washington now. Why don't you go get your green card? And he had never even really considered getting his green card considering his background, but uh, his back got to the the point where he decided that he was going to try using uh, marijuana rather than taking opiates. And uh, he did that, got his green card easily with his back injury that he had. And uh, he's a funny, quirky, particular guy. And he decided that he didn't really feel comfortable smoking other people's marijuana. So he decided to start growing it himself. Uh, And that just snowballed. We ended up uh, opening up a collective garden. Uh, We had a, a couple of patients that we were, my husband was their caregiver. We had three gardens going on in our at our house and that's kind of where we grew everything we had a really nice piece of property two and a half acres and we had a big old shop in the back and that's where we grew Uh, we had out kind of outgrown our own shop and we decided to open up storefront and that's when we opened up our dispensary and uh just been going at it ever since i was actually working a full-time job uh as a loss prevention manager Nobody knew what I was doing uh, with marijuana because I just, you know, the persona and I just was worried about what people would think, you know, if they found out that I was like into marijuana and I, I kept that part of my life a secret for a long time. And when, uh, when we finally got our license in uh, 2017, I, I quit my job and this is what I do full time now.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, I, you know, talking a little bit off, off camera, I know you guys had quite the battle to get your license. So I kind of want to talk about that process of, you know, having the experience in the medical market and kind of some of those hurdles and challenges it took to, to move along with this recreation or adult use that, that opened up around them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you, as you can see, I'm, I'm a little bit on the older side. Okay. I'm middle-aged. And uh, when we opened up our dispensary, I can't tell you how many, we call them patients back then, not customers. But when they would come into the shop and they would see me behind the counter and not who they expected, the typical stoner, you know, with gauges in their ears and all that stuff, you could see the relief on their on their face. And a lot of people came to medical marijuana as as like a last resort, you know, you know they got cancer or they have this Crohn's disease, and you know, they heard marijuana was helpful. So they come in there very shy and very afraid. But I could tell when they saw me, they immediately felt relieved. Like, okay, this must not be so bad after all. Look at that respectful woman back there behind the counter, you know. And uh, I've I love, love, love the medical world. It was that is different, you know. It's, it wasn't regulated. Absolutely, it wasn't regulated. But I, you, you got to know every single patient. I could tell them what they got last week. You know if it was really good for them i could look it up it's different now it's 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 a retail game now and it Mm -hmm. is what it is and um when the when the process first started i want to say this they were only going to allow like 200 and something license and so everybody that applied for a license over here in kitsap bremerton area we had to go into like a lottery Because they were at that time in 2013 they were only going to allow two stores in bremerton wow well everybody wants a weed license right so everybody puts in their application goes into a hat they draw a name if that person passes the vetting process they get the license so basically the first two people that got drawn got the license and so we just kind of sat back and we're like okay that's okay we are we like running our collective garden we're doing a good business Well, then they decided to, the state of Washington decided to pass SB 5052, which was supposed to be for anybody that has an actual medical dispensary. They didn't want us to have medical dispensaries anymore because we weren't paying any taxes. So the state wasn't making any money off of us. So in 2015, they sent out letters to everybody that had a dispensary and basically said, We're gonna give you a chance to get a license Hmm. if you don't get a license before july 1st 2016 we're gonna come shut you you need to shut down or we're gonna basically come shut you down so that our last ditch effort you know we read what the what the um qualifications were for you to get your license and it was basically you had to have a business license you had to have owned operated or worked in a collective garden, which is exactly the words that they used. They called it collective garden prior to January 1st, 2013. Well, I didn't have a business license when I was running my collective garden. I didn't get the business license until I opened up a storefront, but I had a true collective garden. But honestly, these people that worked for the Liquor and Cannabis Board, they really didn't know what a collective garden was. Mm. They kept using the word dispensary, but it was worded as collective garden. And so we put in an application and then at that time you were allowed to have three, you were allowed to own three stores. So we put in for three applications, two two in Bremerton. And then one was going to be over in Jefferson County, the Hood Canal, right across the Hood Canal. So we are... Going through the process, you know, we're talking to our people. They're telling us what we need. We bought a building because why wouldn't we? We know we're going to qualify and get the license and we're going to own this building. So we had our interview. We had two interviews. And on the after the second interview, the last thing the Liquor and Cannabis Board said to us, go ahead and start building out your shop. When you're done, you give us a call and then we're going to come inspect it. So we start rocking and rolling and building out our shop. And about six weeks into our build, they called me and said that they made a mistake and that we're not getting our license. And I was like, what do you mean you made a mistake? Oh, you don't qualify. I'm like, like hell, I don't qualify. I met every single thing that you stated. And I talked to somebody else and they basically just said, nope, sorry, too bad, so sad. Click, goodbye. And I was like, I was devastated. We had bought this building, spent so much money, had already started building out our shop. Uh, my ex-husband had even quit his job at the casino so that he could help build out the shop full time. And I, I I didn't know what to do. We had spent so much money and this, is, this was our passion. We really wanted to do this. And I'm scrolling through Facebook one day and I saw this ad for uh, Spencer Palace Law Group and he was representing multiple clients who the liquor and cannabis board had done the same thing to told them that they didn't qualify they had medical shops in the past and i contacted him and asked if i could get in on the lawsuit and he took us in as a client and and it took us a year a year of back and forth paperwork and filing this and filing that um and in the end i think we had one day we were on the telephone for eight hours doing testimony. And then the next day it was six hours and the judge came, he had 30 days to come up with his, his answer or whatever, his conclusion. And it wasn't even a week later that the judge basically said, mm, yeah, the Dodges were right. You were wrong. They should have mm. their license. But the thing is Mitch, I got screwed out of my other two licenses. When we went to Olympia To meet with the board members and they gave me my license and i said well i said i applied for three licenses where's my other two and she's like oh well we're gonna give you a refund a 350 fifty dollar refund for those million dollar licenses Mm. and i'm still i'm still out those licenses i mean i could hire a lawyer and pay maybe 50 grand and see if i could fight the liquor and cannabis board but we all know how deep their pockets are now yeah
0: yeah, yeah, it's, it's, you know, there's been a couple stories like you mentioned, you got in on a lawsuit with a couple people, there was a couple friends of mine that owned stores, uh, or, or cultivation facilities, collectives before legalization and got left out. And some people, you know, spent everything they had fighting yeah. fighting for that and you know like you said it's, it's any legal battle i think the general listeners out there that have never been in a legal battle no matter what side of the legal battle you're on is you don't want to be in a legal battle nobody wins no. nobody no. wins
1: and i don't i think there as 15 plaintiffs plaintiffs and if i'm not mistaken i think my lawyer told us we were the only ones that actually won
0: wow Wow. Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate, and it's unfortunate how this was rolled out. You know, Uh you know, and sadly, Washington is one of the better states that award probably awarded more licenses to legacy operators than any of these other states. You know, you look at, at some of these markets; they're they're doing such limited licensing and caps on licenses, and they're you know, it's just a money game of of you know. And we're seeing what's going on in Florida. we we'll won't name any names. We covered it on our site. You know, there's a lot of backroom political payouts and you know things like that happening uh it's you know it's anytime money's involved it it turns shady pretty quickly um what 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 were some of the challenges of just adjusting to beyond just regulation but adjusting to life in a recreational market after having so much history in the in the medical market
1: um and I be, like, honest?
0: <laughs> how, however you want to share well, it, like, share
1: it. <laughs> well, like, we used to have a lot of safety meetings after all the patients would leave, but we don't do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> just, I, we have to be accountable for everything. Like, I'll have uh, customers come in, and they'll buy something, and then they'll just try to rip open the package. And I'm like, no, wait, you don't open that in here, you'll get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Just stuff like that. And I was robbed one time, just a grab and run. Some guy asked to see some weed. And this is, in, of course, had a mask on, you know. So I put some couple on the counter and he just grabbed them and ran. Hmm. Um. The store down the street from me was just arm robbed. Wow. Yeah, just a block down the street from me about three or four weeks ago. So, you know, uh, that's a challenge you know, keeping safe with having so much cash on hand because of the whole banking debacle. I don't know what else to call it. I can't tell you how many accounts I had and got closed down because they found out what I was doing. And, you know, I bank safe. Now I pay a nice hefty service to bank safe, but it is what it is. It's, it is definitely the cost of doing business. Everything costs money to in this business.
0: Absolutely. I mean, from the licenses to the to the bank, it's something that, you know, I don't think is talked about a lot that not only is it very difficult to get a bank account once you get it, like you mentioned, there's service fees. You're not getting great rates. You cannot. There's not traditional lending for this space. Any other business? I want to improve the dispensary. Let me write a business plan, submit to the bank and get a loan that doesn't exist.
1: I, I even so the building was paid off. Not one dime was owed on it. And I tried to get a loan and I went to three banks. And I'm, hey, I walk in there. I'm like, I own this, you know, 11,000 square foot commercial building. It doesn't, I don't owe any money on it. You know, would you consider loaning me some money against it? Oh, yeah, have a seat, Miss Dodge. Do you have any tenants in the building? Well, yeah, I have a weed store. Okay. Thank you, Miss Dodge. It was nice talking to you. We can't help you. Goodbye. Because I didn't even tell them I own the weed store, I only right. told them the weed store was a tenant.
0: Yeah, and that's you know, that's the 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 cost. Like you said, the cost of doing business in this industry is is very high. And something we we're talking about right before we started is you know the tax rates in this state, you know, I believe you, you know, 37% is the Washington tax rate. And ultimately who is hurt the most by that is the consumer. I mean, businesses, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to downplay your 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 cost, but no, I but
1: yeah. Typically retail uh was a two times markup. Well you have to mark it up three times and even a three times markup and which is all i do some stores will do a Mm 3.5 and even a four percent four times markup i do a three times markup my prices are low because i'm smack dab in the middle of two other weed stores and i came late to the game so i had to put my hustle on and do something to grab i find that pot shops are kind of like nail salons or barber shops where people feel comfortable coming in there. So to take somebody else's clients away Mm -hmm. from them, it's hard, but once I get them in my door, I'm good.
0: (laughs) No, absolutely. It's, it's it's the familiarity. I mean, that stems from, the commerce of cannabis pre this, when it was medical, like you said, you had patients that gave you the right to grow for them. And so you cultivated the cannabis they consumed, or you went to a, you know, one of very few markets where there was very few vendors and, you know, for the people that didn't get to experience medical cannabis, you likely had one guy, if you're lucky, maybe two or three guys (laughs) or girls for a backup, because we've all been there before, but you know, you had this one person and there was this trust factor um, you know, for safety and, and not getting ripped off. But then also just like, if you found someone that did, hey, it's a good cost and good product, you know, you didn't ever want to change that up for risk no. of it not being the same no. experience.
1: Yeah. And, and it, it is what it is. And I'm honest with my customers. I'll tell my customers, I'm like, I paid $3 for this or I paid $3 and 33 cents for this. I said, now I'm selling it to you for $10. I said the grower he got his three dollars and 33 cents but you know how much the state's gonna make out of this they're gonna make more than me i'm gonna get what's left mm-hmm. and that's what i that's how i do my mar- my markup and i find that keeping prices low being honest with my people my business has gosh since 2018 my business has doubled
2: wow
1: i think i'm on and i'm a small store i'm a small little guy I'm on point to do over $2 million in sales this year.
0: Wow. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. I'm very excited.
0: Congratulations. And that's something that I think the general consumer, you know, has a hard time grasping when they see these prices at markup, you know, you $50 for an eighth understanding that wholesale, you know, that 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 was sold for like the grower got 15, $16 off that, you know, and then I even see people I want to get into, the industry and collaborate with a brand. And then, you know, I'll get all this money. And it's like, even if you were to do a licensing deal with a brand on that $18 eighth, you know, you could potentially see two to three dollars out of the 50 it's sold out of the store. You know, it is it's a low margin game. And I think there's definitely people that are here for cash grab because it got a lot of hype but then there's a lot of people that are here because it's truly truly just intertwined with their passion whether cannabis is their passion or like seemingly like kind of what i heard from you is just that that connection to your whether it's a consumer or a patient that connection to that person and, and what you can share over this plan if, if i'm not mistaken
1: no yeah i mean i and i love educating people i can't i'm shocked when people when i go would you like a sativa hybrid indica?" and they're like What's that?
2: Mm.
1: <laughs> and I'm like, nobody's ever told you the difference. And they're like, no. And so I'll give them a little lesson. Or the people that are like, oh, give me that 35% THC. And I'd be like, if you're just buying your th- your weed based on the THC numbers, I'm like, you're not doing it right. I'm right. like, it doesn't work for everybody the same way. And I try to I use the pheromone thing. I'll say it's like perfume. Perfume doesn't smell the same on every person because of our pheromones. And I said the same thing with weed because of a cannabinoid system. And and a, m- a lot of people really seem like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Thank you for that information. And, and we are about educating our customers. We know the ones that just want to grab their weed and go. And we don't want to aggravate them. But a majority of them are, are happy to learn. And I have little things over my shop that will, you know, all the different consistencies of Concentrates the difference between THC, THCA, how CBD works better with THC, anything educational that I can pass out to the public, I'm going to do it.
0: That's awesome. And I, I like your uh, example of the pheromones and perfume. I have yet to hear that. But I think for education, right, uh, on something that people know so little about and especially yeah. the public information was very sparse for so long, um, except for misinformation, but, uh, you know, these examples to other things where people can draw parallels and be like, oh, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Um, any one of those really helps connect it, you know? And so I like that one. I'm going to try, I'm going to try and take that with me.
2: yeah, um,
0: <laughs> yeah I, I, I like it, And I like it because it's not a comparison to, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but so oftentimes we get caught in comparing cannabis to alcohol or tobacco um, or for me, for me, sometimes I compare, I compare like the different cannabis is like, you know, I always compared to pharmacy, you know, just medication, pharmaceuticals that your average medication you get prescribed has potential side effects. Not everyone gets those side effects. Not everyone gets any side effects and it all affects people differently. And when you get prescribed a medication, you're, you know, you're aware, is this working, how it's supposed to work? If not, try something else. And I yeah. usually use that as cannabis as just because a strain is something, it's not the same. You know, we all interact yep. with chem- chemicals differently. But again, I'm comparing <laughs> cannabis directly to pharmaceuticals, and I need more examples to, to, to break it to the left or the right. Okay. So um. So what is what is kind of the 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 nature of like cannabis culture in the Bremerton area? I know you said there's I think five stores in in a, in a decently Eight. small town.
1: Eight in Eight. a small town. Yeah. Um. But it's uh, cannabis is very, very accepted, uh, even though it is a very predominant military and PSNS, uh, the Puget Sound Naval Shipyard. So these guys are all federal workers and they are not allowed to smoke weed. And it's a damn shame because mm-hmm. I know a lot of them that would would benefit. You know, they're they all drink alcohol and go out and do stupid crap. You know, they're not even allowed. I have friends that are in the military that, like, they can't even come by and stop by and say hi. Or, like, if, if they, I have something that they need, they can't come by my shop because they're afraid they'll get seen and they'll be in trouble. But for the for the local potheads that can smoke, and boy, do I have a lot of retired Navy guys that come in my shop, too. Uh, you know, the, the culture is, you know, it's awesome. I, I have a dream mitch i want to open up one of the very first lounges Mm. you know i don't know if that'll ever happen you know who's gonna make the first one is las vegas
0: yeah yeah well yeah they got they got some open i think they have some open in vegas
1: i know they were talking about it but i didn't know anywhere opened yet but that was always my dream and i also you know i had a little i have a little side dream too of doing like a catering marijuana business Mm. not food I'm gonna have a van and i'm gonna roll up and i'm gonna offer you know joints and dabs and edibles for your for your retirement party for your birthday for your weed friendly wedding
0: (laughs) the bud the bud bar huh show show up with the
1: uh mobile bud bar
0: (laughs) there you go yeah the catering company that's that's not a bad business idea and the, the lounges is something i heard is coming back uh i heard some of the activist groups out here kind of pushing that towards the, you know, there's a laundry list of things that we'd like to change with within this any state. Yeah, um,
1: the, the, the whole, they need to come up with some sort of, and I, I'm probably not using the right terminology, like a nano test, because I, I don't know about you, but I know if I just smoke a little bit of weed, I'm not super high. I'm not crazy. Right. I'm not going to get in an accident. I mean, obviously there's levels of being high. You can usually tell by their eyes, you know, We need to come up with something like that to allow these bud bars, otherwise the cops are just going to be hanging out and everybody that leaves, they're going to pull them over and test them and we're all going to test positive for THC.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the other things, right, of, of back to how cannabis affects everybody differently being that you know for one person right whether they take one hit of a joint or even a five milligram gummy right they might be sick they're so hot as opposed to someone like ourselves you know I, i'll burn down a couple grams to myself and you know go to the gym and exercise like nothing happened you yeah, know okay. and, and so <laughs> and, and there's a tolerance plays into effect but also who you are and and how you interact with it and your experience you know and so it's yeah. that's one of the tough things you know alcohol somehow is a little bit easier Chemically, I guess, to figure out how much you ingest and your impairment levels, yeah, um, body weight know, and,
1: and all that stuff, you know.
0: Yeah, and, and tolerance plays a little bit of effect, but truth to truth to cannabis, like it just affects people so different, you know, and so different.
1: Like, oh, but that weed only had fourteen percent THC. I don't care. I was this shit off fourteen percent THC. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and so how much? How much do you see? You know, we interview a lot of people in California, and in California, it's like if something's not at like thirty percent or over, it's like the consumers won't buy it, so then the stores won't buy it. And I know everyone in the industry preaches, and you already brought it up on here. Don't look at THC percentage. You know, it does matter, but it doesn't. It should not be the leading factor. How much do consumers really in your shop lean to that THC percentage?
1: Unfortunately, a lot. So my conversations with my vendors are. Hey, buddy, I'm really sorry. I know better. I know better, but my customers walk in the door and they want those high numbers. So I need those high numbers when you're selling me some weed. But then I also am a, I'm in a rather underprivileged demographic area of where I'm at. A lot of people are on a very tight budget. And so if I have an ounce of weed that's $30, even though it's only like 14%, I'll sell it all day long.
0: Yeah, no, that, that makes that makes complete sense. And it's, you know, it's, I know it's a frustrating, I know us in the industry at this point feel like we're screaming at walls sometimes that that THC percentage doesn't matter. But, you know, as what we were saying earlier, you know, the, the information and the education out there has not widespread. And when you're in the industry, you're likely passionate, nerdy about this, and you get caught in an echo chamber to the people that are in the industry and don't get to have the privilege to talk weed all day. You know, you don't hear this information and you might hear it, but you still don't believe it. You know, um, and there's so many different variables that, that go in, into play. I was just talking to a store in Illinois, and um, I'd never thought of it like this explicitly, but they they said that, you know, that consumers put they think that consumers buy higher THC because cannabis is so expensive and they feel like they're getting a better bang for their buck. And I was like, I, I think that's probably fairly accurate.
1: Yeah, I think that that would probably be fair to say, too. Because I yeah. know typically, you know, the the lower the lower price stuff, I've never really gotten any bomb ass outside weed that was, you know, way high up there and super crystally. I mean, it is what it is. You can, you know, I'm and I'm honest with my customers. I'll be yep, yep, that's outdoor grown. Why do you think it's so cheap? Oh, another thing too, you can say in this industry, this is the industry you get what you pay for. And that's what I tell my customers all the time. I'm, I'm sorry if you only have $15 for an eighth, I have $15 eighth. But just remember, you get what you pay for.
0: It's And it's, it's very true, you know, and I think, you know, again, I said I don't like to draw. I, I try not to draw the parallels to the other industries. But when you look at, when you look at, um, you know, like the alcohol industry or wine industry, right? There are $3 bottles of wine and there are... bottles of wine, you know, and there's market for all of them, but it's the, the market's so mature when a consumer goes in, they understand I only have $15. I'm so going to buy a $15 bottle of wine. They're not in there like, Oh, that $300 bottle of wine could bring it down to 25 for me, you know, but somehow in cannabis, we're still in this phenomenon where I don't know, because we come from a barter system. I don't, I don't quite know, you know, people are still kind of, you know, I want to pay a couple dollars, but I want the highest quality possible.
1: So now that, you know, the state is involved and got their nose in everything that we do, um, I can't do bartering. But back in the medical days, when I, I used to barter all the time with people, they'd bring me in here. Can can you, will you take this for a gram of weed? And of course I would, just because I felt bad for anybody that can't get a damn gram of weed. Right. <laughs> I um, do. I feel terrible
0: absolutely and so you know one of the things that i i wanted to ask is at the store do you do you have any noticeable brands that you guys carry that you feel like consumers come in and request by name or seemingly can't get get enough of and what what are some of those brands
1: um one of my favorite farms is called from the soil okay and they're up in elma i'm gonna give jason a shout out if he happens to be listening but great farm pesticide free and i have a pre-roll It's a two pack pre-roll and each pre-roll is three quarters of a gram. So you're basically, you get a gram and a half of some really great smoke for six bucks. That is my biggest seller in my store. People walk through the door and ask for damn tasties, Mm. damn tasties, damn tasties is what they're called. And then I recently picked up a farm called stone age. I don't know if you've ever smoked a stone age.
0: I don't think I, I know that name, but I, I can't picture the, the product. They
1: do, they do joints, and they're, all their joints are infused with Keef. And so for $4, you're getting a joint with testing as high as $35. So you've got my patients, my customers are super happy. Not only are they getting cheap weed, they're getting high numbers too.
0: Mm. So that's hitting that, that what we were talking about, that consumer demographic that is trying to be cost effective. but yep. we'll obviously get that THC bang for their buck um and i I think that's for some of these brands right like price definitely dictates the majority of the market is dictated around price and or thc percentage and i think there's been a couple brands that are able to position themselves around that Um, you know but people buy brands for and and see certain things in brands for 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 various reasons that are that are personal to them Um, and what are what are some of the ways you feel like you know because one of the challenges right from coming from medical where it was more of a deli system if you will where it was jars you could see it you could smell it you know most cases you could squeeze a nug or someone chopstick it up right in front of your face (laughs) so to now we have everything pre-packaged where you can't necessarily see it and you know we've all been there where weed looks good and you open it up and smoke it and you're like man they just didn't cure this right or what you know it didn't whatever you saw in the look deceived you on the on on the end as opposed back in the day there might be weed that looked really shitty. But when, if you get the right vouch, someone's like, no, this is the one don't look at it, you know, and we've lost that in legalization. So, so what are some of the ways you feel like people calculate if weed is good or not before they, before they buy something?
1: All kinds of ways. So I have two lamps on my counter. So people can look at the weed under the light. Um, They're in packages, but a lot of them will like poke at it, it. Try to squeeze the mylar bag to get some smell out of there <laughs> um you know whatever i i've had i've had people stand there i'm not kidding you for 10 minutes trying to decide you know touching and poking and looking i'm just like come on it's just some weed grab some weed <laughs> and then i've been hurt by google review by somebody not liking their weed like i have any fault in it i got a one star review or a two star review a couple times because the weed was shitty and i would be like i wish you would have i try to reply to all my google um mm-hmm. you know stars or whatever and i say hey I, i'm sorry you didn't feel comfortable enough to come talk to me i'm the owner you i've waited on you i know who you are i would have you know offered you a. I can't give you anything for free unfortunately can't give you a refund it's not allowed I'll hook you up and give you the biggest, the best deal I can give you. Cause I feel bad, you know, that that happened to you. Now you just brought my star rating down by giving me mm-hmm. a one star. I, so, you know, I'm at the mercy of the consumer for stuff like that.
0: Because, you know, cannabis is an experience based thing, right? You have a poor experience with it. You know, it, it's, 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 you open a jar up and it doesn't smell good. You're like, Oh God, this, you know, and you smoke it and you're like, Oh, this isn't smoking. Right. And then, it, it, you have a negative yeah. experience with that and it's, and it's, you're right. You're at this mercy of, of the products you sell that someone can't see beforehand. They buy something they don't like. So another question I have is, have you seen customers buy a product, have a poor experience with it, and then come back and give that same brand another ch- shot? Do you see that very often? Or do you see them completely turned off from that brand? From
1: Yeah. typically, Typically completely turned off. Yeah. They just move on to something else. And I have a huge selection in my shop right now. I mean, my my wall, I have my pricing, people know from from cheapest to highest, so that people know exactly where to go. I mean, let's face it, if you're on a budget and you know you only got so much money, you you want to know what section you're gonna be looking at for your weed. And so, you know, I I find that I've had a couple people that came in and complained about something and they're like, I'll never smoke that again. I'll never smoke that again. And it's really too bad because it probably wasn't that farm. It was probably just some other circumstances that didn't work for them with that weed, but I'm sure there's other good weed from that same farm.
0: Yeah. And that's the, and that's, and that's the issue, right? Like you're dealing with the agriculture good. Sometimes one batch is significantly better than the other or not as great or even significantly worse or, you know every now and then you know it's hard to quality control if you're growing at scale every single nug i know some craft farmers out there can 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 do that and that's a big part of who they are but it's not realistic for everyone but i think that's an important takeaway for a lot of you know brands and cultivators out there is to understand that you know your quality control is really important because if someone has a negative experience with your product it's very difficult to win that i mean like almost non-existent for them to go back you know i can't think of how many brands i've bought and been like i really didn't like that product and like i avoid not only that strain but i'll avoid that brand until somebody i really trust really convinces me otherwise you know
2: you'll be like that's what
0: yeah and then i saw i saw uh mark from green rush uh chimed in in here i'm sorry i just saw your comment uh mark we're, we're talking to don from emerald coast cannabis in bremerton washington M- green rush is a washington producer so uh we, I'm we got, just got some i
1: didn't put my first order in with those guys
0: oh well look at that look at that Mark. she's putting in the first order we just uh we were just i was just at their farm uh, a couple weeks ago a month ago they're in their indoor one they also have the outdoor too yeah but uh yeah, those guys do great. Those guys on that craft, on that craft side of their their indoor flower, definitely in that craft quality control. I got a little bit of my house right now. <laughs> what are what are some of the the things that you want to see changed within the uh, the Washington State market? Oh,
1: definitely the tax structure. Especially, I mean, I'm not going to say you know if it goes federally legal it's when it goes federally legal and I know the feds are dragging their feet because now we're gonna have to get tax write-offs and tax breaks like every other business Mm -hmm. but right now we can't you know and like like I said when when I told you I did 2 million in sales well take away almost 50 percent of that right there just for my taxes okay then the price of the goods and then also it's considered profit, but that's how I pay my people. That's how Mm -hmm. I keep the lights on. That's how I pay my, you know, insurance bill and my licensing. And there's a lot of costs that goes into it. And so, you know, I'm not a multimillionaire. I might be someday, but it's not going to happen real soon. Not with this tax structure.
0: Absolutely. And that, you know, getting those tax write-offs will be a huge, huge plus for any operator in this business owner and operator in this business
1: it's a regular business it's just like any other business product in product out
0: yeah and but like you said you know i don't think consumers also understand right like they often look at price and what's funny is too the price of weed like hasn't changed inflation gas prices go up and down the price of a mcdouble you know mcdouble's no longer on the dollar menu you know what i mean like inflation affects everything But somehow we want to pay forty dollars for an eighth of good weed from now until the end of eternity even though rent utilities license everything is can continually go up um so there's a weird mindset shift around the 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 cannabis consumer and i mean i'm i'm guilty of it as well um but i don't think that they really fully comprehend when federal legalization comes around your cannabis is going to be expensive whether it's a couple dollars more ten dollars more for every unit purchased, it's going to go up, and that's not money that's going into the retailer's pocket or the farmer's pocket. Nope. And you know, we, you and I were talking right before we, you and I were talking about right before we started this. It's, you know, where's you? We, you know, you asked that question. You said you're curious about where's that money going to come from. It's very likely the state's going to be like, yeah, we're going to take less taxes. You know, that's very unlikely. Um, So sadly, we're likely going to see just an overall increase on the products, which really sucks uh, for the, I mean, not, not only for the consumer, it just really sucks for the industry and moving the majority of people towards a standardized, legalized model.
1: Yeah. But you know what? Everybody turns, someone turns 21 every day. You know, I get new customers all the time. Um, And marijuana is not going away. I mean, I love it. I, I love smoking weed. I smoke weed every day I i would hate to have to give it up i don't think i could
0: <laughs> yeah no I, and that's that's definitely agreeable and you know i even put put to my my own personal journey with cannabis you know i used to buy very cheap cannabis because i could stretch it when i was much younger and you know i'd get as many blunts as i could have out of a certain dollar amount that i was comfortable spending but the moment i tried really good weed that cost about twice as much of the dirt weed I was purchasing. I've never been able to go back to the dirt weed and just figured out my life to, accordingly to pay for the good weed.
2: Got back on other things.
0: Yeah. priorities, priorities exactly, priorities. exactly, priorities and good weed is, is, is high up there on, you know, yeah. it's like rent, good weed, utilities maybe afterwards, you know. That's
1: funny, I employ a bunch of stoners. I'm telling you, a, a good group of people. I have six employees and they all love their weed. Yeah. <laughs> They all love their weed. They're, that's what they spend. The majority of them spend their tips on just weed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. So, you know, another thing I want to ask you um, is about kind of female representation in this industry. It is no secret that the cannabis industry, when you break down ownership, is male-dominated. It is incredibly male-dominated. Um, but we've actually we've had quite a bit of, uh, of uh, guests that are... That are female lately and just kind of ask their perspective. Some people say, you know, there's pros and cons of it. Some people say there's, you know, a lot of negativity around it. Some people say oh, I see it, but it doesn't bother me. But I'm just kind of curious as a as a as a woman-owned business in this space, what is your your kind of temperature on on just female representation in the legal cannabis industry?
1: Um, I I I definitely were outnumbered. Um, But the females that I have met in the industry, well, freaking, of course, they're all rockingly awesome. (laughs) I have a a female uh, friend of mine that's a grower. Uh, Her company is called Hazy Days. Um, We've been friends since the medical days, and we both went off into recreational. I used to buy from her back in the medical days, and now she's got a farm. And Belfair and I've gone and visited her farm and it's, you know, she employs a lot of women. I want to say she might have one or two men working for her, but I love it. It's empowering. I'm all about, you know, women helping other women out. Um, I love it when I run into it. If I see somebody sends me an email and says, I just got one recently from a female owned farm. And I'm like, I'm all over that female owned farm, female owned business. Let's work. Let's have Mm -hmm. a
2: relationship.
1: But, um, You know, I don't, I don't feel it or see it too much. I I get a lot of respect. Um, I think that I have a pretty good relationship with almost every farm that I do business with. We have each other's numbers and we text each other. Hey, you know, I'm gonna be putting in an order soon. Got anything good? And they'll text me back. So I don't really, I don't feel like being a woman in this industry has hindered me at all for sure.
0: Yeah, no, that that's that's a great take, and I appreciate you sharing that because it's just it's something that you look at. You know the industry is is not as diverse at the ownership level it's very diverse in who celebrates and who uses cannabis that has no you know gender race or anything right people of all walks of life and and backgrounds enjoy cannabis just when we look at ownership it kind of predominantly goes to a certain demographic um and so it's always great to see just people that are Outside of that demographic, that are kicking ass and 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 sharing love, because especially you know, in my, my opinion, right? I'm I'm a man, but women make the world go around, and so you know, we we need more of that.
1: If the world don't spin without us.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it did. You know, my life started with that, so I, I got to pay yeah, homage.
1: I got, I have three grown kids, and I've smoked pot with all of them, and it's it's cool. You know what I mean? It's 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 relaxing. We don't have to worry about anyone being stupid. Uh, I like smoking weed with my kids, and they all are so proud of me, honestly. They tell me all the time, and I love it.
0: That's awesome. So how, how, what was the transition of going from – I mean, obviously, you've been in cannabis for a while, but once your kids kind of found out that you were in cannabis, how how did that – did they have an initial reaction? Has that changed over time?
1: Um, they were all pretty shocked because my ex-husband was a cop, and I did loss prevention for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> so we shocked many people. Many people. I mean, I in high school, I would definitely nobody would ever have thought in a million years this is something that I would be doing, and I've shocked a lot of people.
0: <laughs> but awesome. I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, and that's and but that is very beneficial in breaking the stigma, right? Like this yeah. cannabis is where it, it, it is where it is, and still has so much so long to go because it just had this negative stigma for so long, and people like yourself or anyone that's able to share their, share their truth and their honesty around the plant helps break that stigma, but also normalizes it where you say, I didn't come from a background of growing up as a third generation illegal cannabis farmer. Right? I came from this walk of life, but it, but it also your, your, your story helps because you didn't just see recreation. They're like, hmm, let me just jump in and do a cash grab. Right. Like you, you got into the industry beforehand. Are really from the culture and and that is excellent to hear um what do you what do you guys have planned for uh 2022
1: um i have plans of continuing to grow my business it's uh like i said it's been it's been going really well i I don't know if covid had anything to do with it or not but i'm sure the biden bucks had a lot to do with it um but i'm just my, my team is uh really good at helping me we're just, I'm, I'm going to start doing some more like Instagram, some more social media. I'm not really big on social media. And so I have my my people at work do it for me. And we're going to get more into that and do some more, you know, advertising of the shop and stuff. But it's hard to get around what you can and can't post about cannabis. We all know that, how that goes. And that's kind of what what I have in store for 2022 get my ex paid off so that I can be free and clear.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I love it. I love it. Take, take, taking, taking, you know, taking full, full control of the reins uh, and and growth, man. That's awesome. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to hop on this podcast and talk about, you know, the industry, your, your path through this industry and really being, you know, vulnerable and talking about your story. That's again, that really just helps break the stigma and I think gives people a lot of context around who's involved with this industry and how again how how inclusive cannabis can be to anybody anywhere um i just really really appreciate that
1: thank you for having me it's been really fun i love talking about cannabis because i mean my life is (laughs) wrapped around it
0: yeah no doubt no doubt awesome well thank you very much and this is mitch from respect my region we're on the north american we tour and I've been talking to Don Dodge of Emerald Coast Cannabis. We baby. <laughs> out here in Wash, Washington Market, Washington in the house, man. <laughs> All right, man. We will see you guys
2: next time.